church, you can be dismissed. So, I guess if I uh, did this when I was singing, I could be a mass singer. <laughs> oh, I know who watches the show. Okay, I'm going to take this thing off for now. I, I, my spitting distance is about right there, so y'all could be in trouble, but anyway. Good morning, gang. Good to see you guys. I tell you, our overflow is as full as the front room. <laughs> it's good to see y'all in the back. I like that. Take your Bibles this morning and let's go to Haggai. Haggai. That's the, where we're going. Haggai. Haggai, as some of you refer to it. Haggai. Haggai. Just make sure we get there. Uh, I've heard from several of you, and I have to agree, uh, I've been uh, excited uh, about what, I mean, we've only had one sermon in, and yet, I mean, this stuff is timely. Um, it, it just encourages my heart as a pastor uh, when, it, when we're transitioning from one study into a new one, there's always that, you know, I always ask you guys to be praying uh, for the Lord to lead us into that next book study. Because again, we serve a sovereign God. He knows all things. Nothing escapes His knowledge. And so I want to be on His page, right? Amen? We want to be on God's page. And so in praying, where do we go? Where do we go? And, and then again, I mean, who goes to Haggai? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you, it's hard to find. That's why all y'all are still thumbing. I know. Listen, I'm going to talk for five minutes because it'll take some of us five minutes to find it. But God planted it right here, and it's like, whoa. And I began to read it, and I read the whole thing, and I'm like going, I'm just mind-blown that this is 2020's message for the church. And this is where we are at Community Baptist. This is, this is the message that, that we need. And so I've been excited. My own personal study's been challenging because, obviously, you know, it, it, it steps on my toes first. It, it deals with my heart first. My meditation, God deals with me in these things as I'm processing, as I'm praying, and I trust that you are praying for your pastor as he sorts through the Word of God to rightly divide the Word of God to bring it to you guys. And so I, I pray it's doing the same in your heart, um, but I, I've just been encouraged and excited about it. I, I kind of hate that it's only, you know, two chapters, and <laughs> we're in chapter two. So we'll slow down. No, I'm sorry, we won't. No. All right. Chapter 2, and uh, again, you, you may recall, uh, today uh, we are looking at chapter 2. The, the overall theme of Haggai is consider your ways. And so if you don't remember anything about the book, think about that question that's been posed twice already in chapter 1. The prophet says to the people, consider your ways. And man, what a, what a reflective question for us to think about. Consider your ways. And so, uh, we'll continue this study here. Again, if you're taking notes, the outline, uh, we looked at this. This is sort of where we've been and where we're going. Uh, chapter 1, we talked about last week, and we dealt with apathy. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back this week, go to our website, pull up last week's broadcast, watch it. It's on apathy, all right? So don't be complacent about it. Just go and watch it and be encouraged with it. Um, in chapter 1, there was the disregard of, of God's command. 
God had said, hey, you've been in captivity for 70 years. I, I, I worked in the hearts of kings and turned them like a river. And Darius overthrows and, 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 the, and the Persians have overthrown the Babylonians. And, and so uh, Cyrus makes this decree and the people come back. He sets them free. He says, go back to your homeland and, and, and gives them the, the instructions to go back and build your temple and, and build your city. And they got back into their homeland and they started well uh, two years in. And you can see this back in, in Ezra and also Zechariah. You can look there and see some of these things that are playing out. Nehemiah. And so they start well. Two years in, they got opposition from outside. All right? There's always going to be opposition outside, church. Right? We expect that, right? We expect opposition outside. You remember in Nehemiah, remember in Nehemiah when we went through that study? Tobiah and Sanballat, remember those two guys? I was telling somebody the other day in my discipleship class, I said, uh, you know, they remind me of like uh, two Disney characters. Because, you know, there's always this big guy bully, and there's like some little, you know, chihuahua dog that's, that's with him. Yeah, 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 what he said, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And that's what Sanballat and Tobiah are like. Who, what was the name? Somebody named them. It was uh, from uh, Beauty and the Beast. What was the two guys? And his little sidekick. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. Isn't that right, Barnett? Or was it a different name? Who do we say it was? You don't remember. He's not even wanting to play. I understand, buddy. But anyway, you see these characters played out. Well, guys, they got these characters in Scripture, right? Sam Ballot, Tobiah, they're, they're, they're mocking. Hey, uh, look at their building, man. I bet if it, even a fox ran up on it, it'd fall down and collapse. <laughs> Good one. Uh, so then you get opposition inside. And that's when, uh, you know, that's discouraging, isn't it? When, the, when within the camp, they started having... You know, people kind of, uh, I don't know about this. And, you know, and, 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 and so whew, they stopped building. They stopped doing what God told them to do. And 16 years goes by. And that's when Haggai comes in. All right? This is where we pick up this story. So they got a foundation built, but that was about it. And so in chapter 2 of Haggai, and that's where we are today, we're going to look at discouragement. Disappointment. Ever, ever been discouraged? Ever been disappointed? Yeah. Yeah. If you walk, talk, breathe, if you have it, you're gonna. And look, I want to say this. Some of you this morning, you may be in a place of, of discouragement. You may be, like just in your spirit, you just may be really down. You may be disappointed in life. I mean, it's 2020. I mean, who's not discouraged? I mean, Really? I mean, you know, and so I pray that as we go through this section, chapter two, the focus is the title's discouragement, but I pray that we hear what the Spirit of God and the Word of God says that will bring to all of us encouragement, because we need some encouragement right now. Amen? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll try and close out the book and we'll look at defilement and sin. And again, it'll, it'll, it'll be a lot like what we saw in chapter 1. And so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at some of that uh, a little closer. But that's, that's the outline. Uh, remember, part 1 was consider your ways. This was from last week's study. If you missed this, uh, we looked at the people last week. He started with the leaders. And uh, he, he, he had the, the civic leaders, the governors. You had the priests. And then you had the people. And so we talked about that. That was verses 1 to 4. Uh, and then we looked at the priority. They had lost priority. Instead of doing what God called them to do, they were more focused on their own life. 
They were, on, they were all more focused on what they wanted, what they thought was best, and did not heed what God had said through His prophet. And so, it's kind of a lot like we see in Judges, right? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Guys, we live in a day, all you got to do is flip on the news, and I don't want you to do it. You talk about discouragement, you'll get discouraged when you flip on the news. But isn't that the day in which we're living as well? I mean, everybody's kind of doing what they think's best, right? Defund the police. Oh, great idea. Yeah, great idea. No, defend the police. Yeah, there's a good thought. I mean, there's all these kind of, you know, differing ideas being thrown at society. Mask, no mask, you know. Open it up, shut it down. I mean, there's just all these differing, competing ideas, right? So where are we going to find encouragement? Where are we going to find truth? Where are we going to be able to move forward in discouraging days? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to hear uh, exactly. And it started last week when we looked at penitence. That's repentance. Guys, you want to know how we at Community Baptist Church are going to start this journey? It's repentance. And, And that's all of us. Repentance isn't a one and done. You don't come forward at an evangelistic crusade and say a prayer, and it's a one and done. That's not the Christian life. In fact, the idea of repentance is a continual action. This idea that we are continually, before a holy God, surrendering our lives so that our lives become an act of worship. It's a continual growth. Newsflash, pastor's not arrived. All right? So if you want to get your checklist and see how bad I'm doing, I know you'll have a lengthy list. In fact, I could probably add some you haven't thought of. But guys, we're in this walk, we're in this journey, and that's not to excuse. Look, we, we all need to consider our ways. This message is top to bottom. Right? When we look at Haggai. It's all of us. So let's draw near to the Lord. Let's hear what God has to say through His teaching, through His Word. But this is where it starts. It starts with us together in repentance. And so that's where we pick up today. Notice if you would, in reading of the Word of God in chapter 2 of Haggai, verse 1. In the seventh month of the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, 
Be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt... So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Father, I pray this morning for the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord, that I will simply be a vessel clean, a conduit of your grace, that your Holy Spirit would use me today to encourage our hearts in a day of discouragement. May the Spirit make known His truth, and may we respond in faithful obedience. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The people are discouraged. The people at this time are discouraged. Now, wow, we just finished chapter 1. Things were going great. They were repentant. After 16 years of not working on the temple, they have now repented. And they get back to work, man, and they are just diligent working on this temple. So about almost two months, let's see. Well, we'll look at the date. The past, we're looking at here in verses 1 through 3. Okay, he's going to reflect. The writer's going to kind of take them on a trip down memory lane. Some of us like to live down memory lane, right? Oh, I remember when. Well, that's what they're going to kind of explore here. We're going to talk about the past. And and maybe some of that discouragement is rooted in your past. I'm just saying. We're going to look at the present, verses 4 to 5. All right? And then we're going to look at the future in verses 6 through 9. Real simplistic outline, but this covers all the bases here in this first section of chapter 2. So, the past. October 17th, 520, verse 1. We know this. We talked about this last week. Remember the first date. Anybody remember the first date in chapter 1? By the way, uh, his messages start with noting the date, right? And so... Haggai has about four messages here. He starts this one with, uh, uh, in chapter 2 with the second message to God's people. What was the first date? Anybody remember? August 29th. This message is what? Yeah, y'all can read. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, my birthday. No, not 520. I'm not that old. Thanks for playing. Um, what's the significance about this date? So again, I'm not good at math, but if it was August 29th, October 17th, so about a, what, a month and a half, right? A month and three weeks, right? 
That's significant because, again, we see a very short amount of time that there was repentance and they've been working. But what else do we know about this date? This is why it's important. God's Word even focuses in on the details. Well, um, to find this out, we've got to go to Leviticus. Now, I put it up here for you. Let's, let's follow along if you don't want to turn there. But we find out in Leviticus 23, 39, 44, there's something going on in October 17, 520, a commemoration. But what's it about? Well, it says here, Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So, this is a significant date because it's the last day of the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Sakat, right? So they're celebrating. They're supposed to be. They're gathering in the crops. This is supposed to be a festival time. It's a, by the way, Haggai's name is Festive. Interesting. But, a little side note, trivia for later. Um, but they're supposed to be celebrating. Why the discouragement? Well, what do we know so far in Haggai? What's been going on for 16 years? Uh, pockets with holes in them? I just can't seem to get ahead. I make money and I lose it. Drought? What happens when there's drought, farmers? Do we have a lot of produce? No, absolutely not. So when you take into consideration where these people are and all this is happening and yet they're supposed to be bringing in all these things to the... There's not a lot to bring in. It's slim pickings. That's kind of easy to be discouraged when you think about it. Right? And so these people, uh, no doubt, uh, kind of, you know, yeah, we're, we've been working hard. We've gotten back to it. And, and I'm sure the rains come, and I, I'm sure they've got a little bit more than they maybe have in previous years, but it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Last day of celebration. And we just read how they're supposed to be looking at that day. We've looked at the Word of God in what should be the attitude of the heart in this. But I think we're going to find out through some of these questions that Haggai is asking, the listener is going to explore their heart and ponder these things as to why are we discouraged? Well, 
Church, if there's one thing I've learned, a real good recipe for discouragement, look at your circumstances. Look at what's going on around you. It's real easy to go, woe is me, when we look at the problems that we're facing. Right? They're no different. They're giving for, they're giving for us as an example. So let's find out what happened here. Verses 1 through 3. So we know it's October 17th, 520. The word of the Lord's come to Haggai the prophet. He's speaking to Zerubbabel. He's the governor. He's speaking to Joshua. He's the high priest. And there's a remnant of the people who still have repented and following the Lord. He's speaking to them. And the message originally is directed to the leaders, but it includes the remnant. All right? And this is important. It's easy in leadership to get discouraged. You know, I imagine our president's pretty discouraged right now. No matter what you think of him, put yourself in those shoes. How could you not be? Right? When we see the message that's being brought and who it's brought to first, I think we, we need to explore that in our own understanding. Because when leadership gets discouraged, that can have an effect upon everyone. Right? That, that can affect the morale of the whole team. And so, he starts there. Zerubbabel. Joshua. Be strong. Be encouraged. I'm with you. Notice the questions that are asked. Because see, God knows. God knows everything. He knows the heart. He knows why they're just... It's a festival week. Woohoo! Blowing the, sh the, sh the, the, what's it called? The uh, sh shofar. Shofar, I've got it right. You know, they're supposed to be playing some funky music, okay? You know, they're out there with their tambourines and, you know, having a, they're supposed to be. But, you know, I just picture that, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag of chips, right? It is. The young people are all about it, man. Yes! Look at the temple. Woo -woo. And, and, and yet, here's the questions. Here's the question. Who's left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Now think with me for a second. Let's all, let's all jump in the time machine. And we're back there and we're hovering. Ooh, look, let's land. Ah. And we see the temple that, they, that they've been working on for a month and a half, right? With very little resources. <laughs> oh, wow, you, you put a palm branch there. Interesting. I don't know. What was the previous temple like? Solomon built the previous temple. The wisest man to ever walk the earth, the richest man. I mean, in all of its glory, this Solomon's temple was amazing. It's been destroyed, guys. 
Babylonian captivity, the birth, they've come through, they've, they've decimated. In fact, go back and see what, you know, King Hezekiah showing off, hey, look here, we got some gold, you know, some, some, some nice stuff from the, from the Israelites, you know. And, and again, we even know in AD 70, later on after this, after Zerubbabel's temple, after Herod the Great's temple, who, who restores a, a pretty beautiful temple, eventually in AD 70, when, when they come through, the Romans destroy it, and, and they, as Jesus said would happen, prophesied, not a, not a stone will be left unturned. Why? Because all the gold was melting down in between the cracks of the rock, and so they wanted to get the gold, so they pried all the rocks off to get to the gold. There's no gold here, guys. And if there is, it's very minimal. This, this is puny, all right? This is a lean-to, <laughs> all right? Anyway, so he asked that question. So he asked the older generation, by, by the way, let, let me go back to that for a second. Who's left among you saw a temple in its former glory? You know what he's saying here? Hear me, seniors. Hear me, seniors. You remember what it used to be like in the church. You remember how... People in America used to, even if they didn't believe in God, you remember there was reverence, there was respect for people. A criminal even had respect for the household of God. He wouldn't dare break in a church. Oh, remember those days, right? It's easy, if we're not careful, to live in the past. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but oftentimes part of my responsibility as a pastor is to go do visits. And a lot of times I understand it. Look, especially in the cases of some shut-ins, all they have are those memories to some extent, right, of, of what it was like to be together. But, man, I've heard so many Glory Day stories of, of community, all right? Um, you know, and I love hearing them, all right? I had no idea Glenn Lanning was an all-star softball player. But I hear people talk about it, you know? Uh, you know, Dean Hightower still looks the same as he did when he's 16. That's obvious for everybody. <laughs> but some things don't change. But oftentimes what we end up doing is we, we reminisce in those past stories. And that's what's happening here, guys. How do I know that? Everybody go with me over to Ezra. Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. And if you look in Ezra chapter 3, and let's begin our reading in the second half there of verse 11. Ezra 3, second half of verse 11. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had, been the, who had seen the first temple, they had seen the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when the foundations of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Now, guys, the foundation was laid in Ezra's day. And the same result. Okay? You've got some people who... 
they remember what the temple looked like in all its glory. And now they're looking at this lean-to, and they're grieved. They're discouraged. They just don't think this work is as good as it was back in the day. And that's easy for all of us to, if we're not careful, and that's a road that leads to discouragement. And you get this mixed bag. It was so mixed that, again, some are weeping and crying, Oh, this is terrible! And others are, Wow! This is awesome! And you can't even tell what's... Yeah. And so again, I think here's another point of God seeking to bring unity in His people. Because we're going to see a truth that's laid out here in Scripture that's true back then in the past, it's true right now in the present, and I promise you it will be true in the future. And so, the questions asked. Who remembers that temple? Because He knows their heart. How do you see it now? Psh, lousy. I just want a root beer. Yeah. How do you see it now? Here's the third question there in the Word of God. In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Wow. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? it seems like nothing. This is, this is at the heart of them. Guys, we have a lot of armchair quarterbacks. That's just reality. We all do that, right? I mean, come on. I know. You watch the, the sporting events and, uh, come on, man. Are you killing me? Come on. What's wrong with you? Man, I would have done this. I done... Yeah, that's why we're sitting there watching it, right? But, but it's easy if we're not careful to be discouraged because we, we, we look at the circumstances and we forget, we forget God's at work. And so, notice what happens in Haggai. How do you see it now in comparison? Notice the present, verse 4. Now, yet now, because he's just asked his question. He knows what's in their heart. Yet now, what's, what does he say? He says, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Don't miss this, guys. Don't miss this. Well, here's the answer. You're discouraged today? Here's the answer. Church, you you, are you discouraged? Are you weary in well-doing? Here's the answer. Be strong. Leaders, leadership, pastors, deacons, be strong. Remnant, be strong. Work. You ever notice when you work, you don't got time for the shenanigans outside or the shenanigans inside? Right? Nobody got time for that. No, we're, 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 we're doing the Lord's work. Let's get to the work. Let's get busy about God's business. And so... We see that. We see that that's the answer for discouragement. Here's the answer, he says. And, and, and I'll be with you. 
Notice, guys, in the New Testament, we're told this. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Guys, it's the enemy who desires for the temple not to be built. It's the enemy who desires that the work of the church not continue in 2020. It's the desire of Satan who wants to sidetrack us on the isms and the side issues that make no amount to anything. We've got to be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might, and we've got to get back to work for the namesake of Christ. That's what He's calling the church to do in 2020. Put on the whole armor of God so we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For Look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The people around these pews aren't your enemies. The people out on the street are not your enemies. They're the people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're the ones that are dying and going to hell and you've got the life-saving water and they're thirsting and we're just drinking it ourselves and getting fat and swollen. I don't think I can go now, Pastor. I can't move. Guys, we've got to get back to the work that God's called us to. I don't care if it's been 16 years. It's time to do the work of the Lord. And He's with us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who's pulling the strings. That's who's shooting the fiery darts. That's the one behind. We've got to put on the spiritual eyes. Remember, we've talked about this. God has been establishing sermon upon sermon upon sermon for His glory, from the worship of presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, to the united we stand, divided we fall messages, to landing us in Haggai, to putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians. Do we not see this, church? Lord, help us to see this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not against the, it's the principalities. He goes on, therefore, therefore, what, what do we need to do? We need to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You want to know how to, how to quench these attacks? Shield of faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Guys, if we do not know the Word of God in our day and age, you are prime suspect number one. You will be destroyed. Those fiery darts are going to rain down on your life like you would not believe, and we will not be able to stand. We have got to saturate our soul in the Word of God. This is what brings repentance. When we camp out in the Word of God, when we abide in Christ and His Word abides in us, that strengthens us for the battle. It helps us to recognize that those who call upon the name of Christ within our midst are not our enemies, they're our brothers and our sisters. It helps us to understand that our leaders are the ones that we need to pray for and, and, and ask for that hedge of protection to be with them, that God go with them and go before them and lead them and be with them and in them and behind them and beside them and before them. And that's how we labor in the work for the cause of Christ. Like it or not, you're in the military. And in the military, just like in the military, there's rank and there's order. 
And God does things decently and in order. And we have a uniform, and this is our uniform. And if you go into battle without your uniform, you're dead meat. You're, you're an easy target. Guys, we've got to suit up. We've got to suit up and recognize, because our uniforms, we recognize who, who our friend is. We recognize who our brother in arms is. And we also know who the enemy is. And so we're able to discern in the battle. We've got to discern in the battle, church. And the only way you're going to discern in the battle is not through the latest guru who has some, some ideas on how to improve things, ten ways to make yourself a, a better person and influence folks. It's going to be, thus saith the Lord. The authority of Scripture is the thing. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will last forever. We've got to hide the word in our hearts so we won't sin against Him. This is the truth. This is our marching orders. And so he goes and he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our weapon as well, guys. That's our offense. God doesn't expect us to just be on defense. We've got to take that offensive weapon, which is the Word. And so there again, we've got to know how to use it. We've got to be rightly dividing it, not misusing it. But it helps us push back against the forces of the enemy. And so we know the Word of God. And, and, and we move forward in that. And it says, um, the Word of God praying. There you go. 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me. See, Paul wasn't afraid to ask for prayer as a, as a minister of the gospel, as a leader out front. He knew, guys, I'm not too ashamed to ask you, pray, please, pray. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, in my, that, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that is a commission that you too have. That's a responsibility that you too have. To open your mouth and speak boldly the gospel. We're in a war. Like it or not, you're enlisted when you said yes to Jesus. And one who is, in, who is a soldier of the faith is not to be entangled with the affairs of this life. Presently speaking. Here's the answer. Verse 4, here's the answer. Be strong, work, but how? Many people are asking how. <laughs> uh, that's probably not politically correct. Anyway, sorry. Um, how? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Well, I love the Word of God because it gives us the answers. I, I learned a long time ago, Jeremy don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. If you're asking me, I don't know. <gasps> Wait a minute. I know someone who does. The Word of God knows. So I'm going to ask God, how? How do, how? Well, He tells us right here. Here's the answer. The Word. Look in the verse. Don't take my word for it. It's right here. It's right here. I'm not smart enough to know this, but God is. He says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, son Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenant with you. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I made a promise to you. 
I made a promise a long time ago, Israel, when you came out of Egypt. I was going to be with you. Hey, church, I made a promise to you when you said yes, when you surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I said to you, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, remember the word. Remember the covenant he made to you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You know why I can be strong? You know why I can work? You know why you can be strong? You want to know why you can work? You want to know why we don't need to be discouraged? Because God is with us. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord, because I'm getting kind of weary. Hey, don't grow weary in well-doing. In good season, you'll reap. Oh, there's the Word again. Why do you keep bringing me the Word? Because I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. Here's the answer. The Word and the Spirit. Wow! There's a great recipe. The Word and the Spirit together. Those who one day, right, God's desiring those who worship Him. How will they worship Him? In spirit and in truth. Man, there seems to be a pattern here. I'm not a smart guy, but I'm picking up through the Scriptures. There's a pattern here. Notice what he says. He says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Oh, you might want to circle that one, highlight that one. Do not fear. Church, do not fear. God is with you. Do not be discouraged. Do not let the enemy without or the enemy within. There's no need to fear. God is with us. And presently speaking, it's true. And in the past, when he brought them out of Egypt, it was true. It's true today, and it will be true tomorrow. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So here's what, again, God's saying. Hey, I know you're discouraged. I know you're looking back at the good old days and the glory days and you're kind of thinking, oh, I wish we could go back. No, 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 no. Look, I, I was with you then. I'm with you now. He's trying to drive home a point. Let's see what that point is. Let's look to the future. Verses 6 through 9. Same thing that saw them through in the past is the same thing that's going to help them through in the present. It's the same thing that's going to help them in the future. Notice what happens. Verse 6. For thus says the Lord, oh, there it is again, thus says the Lord, I pay attention, thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in a little while, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it is true that with God, you know, day is like a thousand years, all right, so he, he's, got the, he's outside of time, in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So, here's what we find. Thus says the Lord. In a little while... God intends to move in the future in judgment. Guys, God is still going to move in the future in judgment. I think He's moving in the present in judgment. I think that's how God has always worked. As we look through the Old Testament Scripture and the New Testament Scripture, we see the judgment of God oftentimes. And sometimes God removes His hand and allows... People to do that which is right in their own eyes. Read Romans 1. See what happens there. That's a form of judgment. 
And we see people doing and pursuing what they want. I don't want to do and pursue what I want. That's a fleshly appetite. I know what my flesh has brought me, 25 years of it. I don't want that fleshly appetite. I want a spiritual appetite. I want what God wants. I want to, I want to feed on that. So notice what happens here in the future. He says, I'm going to shake the heaven. He says, I'm going to shake the earth. He says, I'm going to shake the sea. He says, I'm going to shake the dry land. He says, I'm going to shake all nations. Now, what's going on here? What, what, what's he talking about? What's he referencing here? Well, notice the result. Notice the result of all this shaking. Oh, a lot of shaking going on. Yeah, you knew that was coming, didn't you? No, the king of kings is going to do the shaking. That's going to be some serious shaking, right? So notice the result. They shall come to the desire of all nations. Now, this is where it gets a little muddy. You might want to underline this one. What does this phrase mean? Now, just to be very clear and transparent, there are multiple views on what this phrase means. A lot of it's going to depend upon your eschatology. Eschatology is a fancy word that simply means how's it, going to how's it going to play out in the end time? Eschatology is about the end times. So depending upon your view of the end times may affect how you interpret this phrase. Doctrine matters, people. We don't, you know, some things can be secondary and we can debate and discuss. We don't need to divide over. That's fine. But sometimes... We need to clamp down, dig it out, because doctrine matters. But I just want to be up front, so I'm going to give us a few views here, all right? And, and we'll process this. They shall come to the desire of all nations. Here's some of the different views on this passage. Some say, hey, Jesus went into the temple at the first coming. God sees all the temples as one, by the way, right? He doesn't, we, we kind of label them Solomon's temple. Zerubbabel's temple, uh, Herod the Great's temple. It'd be a temple in the tribulation period. It'd be a temple in the millennial kingdom. This is how man kind of sorts things out, right? Well, regardless of how you view that, what was the point of the temple? It was a dwelling place for God amongst men, right? Don't forget that. Hang on to that thought because we'll come back to that thought. By the way, in the New Testament, who's the temple? We're the temple, right? Not, not one made with fleshly hands. We're, 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 we're the temple. As believers, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Ah, the presence of God is with me in this temple. Interesting. Hang on to that. All right? So, here's another one. The world's waiting on Jesus' return. Hey, the desires of all the nation. The whole nation wants peace. Man, the world is blowing up right now. What do they want more than anything? They want peace. Oh, their longing, their desire for all the nations is that the Messiah would come. Even world religions are looking for, quote-unquote, their Messiah. Hey, the world is primed for the Messiah. So when Jesus is returning, hey, that's the desire of all the nations. His glory is going to return and fill the earth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. The eschatological view of, of Community Baptist Church is that there's going to come a seeming Messiah, Revelation first white horse, and his name is Antichrist. Now, this is a pretty important difference. 
They will say in that day, peace, peace, but there will be no peace. He will set himself up as a ruler. The kings of the earth will surrender their headship to him and they will unite under his leadership. And there will be a one world government and a one world religion. This is the eschatological view of Community Baptist Church. Now this has very serious implications. Because if the desire of all the nations is peace, there's going to be one that's going to seemingly offer them peace. And then he's going to go into that temple and reveal himself to be the Antichrist. And literally, you know what's going to break loose on the earth. Well, what about the tribulation temple? Right? Who's coming first offering false peace? That's the Antichrist. Well, maybe it's the millennial temple. Maybe that's what Haggai's talking about here when he talks about this desire of all the nations and the glory of the latter uh, uh, is going to fill. Maybe that's what he's referencing. All right. Let me tie this together. The better translation, and some of your translations may read this way, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, why do I think personally that this is the better translation? Well, again, the rendering of the original language, but notice, what do we say when we study the Bible? Context, context, context. What does the context say? Follow the context. Notice what it says. Keep reading. Verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. <laughs> oh, I know what the desire of the nations is. It's wealth. And what did God just tell them all? See, these people, are, they're upset. They don't see the gold. They don't see all the fancy jewels. They don't see all the glory that the Solomon's temple and all its riches had. No, 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 no. They, they don't see that. And they're discouraged and they're disappointed. And it's, look at the foundation, man. I mean, this is like, what, 3,000 square foot? Man, this thing was 300,000 square foot. What? <laughs> and notice the context. Hey, stop worrying about these things. You're missing the point. All the riches belong to me anyway. Silver and gold, that's the desire of the nations. But I got news. These are temporal. News flash. In the end, what do we find? In the end, keep reading, what do we find? Verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. He is addressing the young, the old, the past, the present, and the future. Let me tell you, there is a glory that's going to fill the temple. It's going to be greater than anything you ever thought, asked, or imagined. So notice, Revelation 21, 21. Regardless of which view you take, here's the answer. Revelation 21 through 22. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
I am with you, Israel. I was with you when you came out of Egypt. Church, I'm with you today. And one day, in all the glory, you will be in my presence. And it cannot imagine how beautiful and glorious that's going to be because the Lamb is the temple. Guys, we should know this. We studied Hebrews. Don't take my word for it. Let's read it. Oh, I love the Bible. See that you do not refuse Him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused Him, who spoke on earth, Jesus, right? Much more, prophets, right? How much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth. But now He has promised, ah, Word of God, yet once more in a little while. I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that are the things which cannot be shaken, may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Amen? Whoa! Mind blown. I'm studying this. I'm going, oh my soul, Jesus, you are awesome. He's with us. And He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And He's expanding His kingdom one soul at a time. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ must go boldly. Because when I share it with Ivy, and Ivy gets saved... Glory to God, the kingdom expands. And when Ivy tells Brittany, now they're already saved, but y'all follow my analogy. And, and Ivy tells Brittany, and, and Brittany gets saved, and the kingdom grows, and the kingdom grows, and the kingdom grows, and the kingdom grows, and the kingdom grows. And then one day, judgment's going to come, and it's going to shake everything loose. Again, regardless of your eschatological view, in the end, there's not going to be a temple. In the very end, there's not going to be a temple. In the glory of glories, it's going to be Christ. And we'll behold Him and that latter glory is going to be far greater than anything man has ever built. Amen? This is good stuff. Ooh. God's promise, God's promise to you is God. Question is, is that enough? Francis Chan. Think about it. This is what he's telling those those people that were joyful and weeping in the past. This is what he was telling Haggai and those people that were working and didn't have a whole lot to bring in the celebration, were discouraged. He said, guys, just like God promised He was with you when you came out, remember you dwelt in booths? That's the whole point of this celebration. It was so that you would be reminded that God saw you through that difficult time. He helped you through the wilderness. He didn't leave you. What are you discouraged about? Church, I don't know what you're facing in your personal life. Let me encourage you. God's promise to you is Him. And there's nothing greater He can offer you. To offer you anything less than Him is is worthless. We started Ecclesiastes today in our Word of Life quiet times. Man, how awesome is God's Word when it just, it's all together. And it was vanity of vanities. 
I mean, everything in this world is just it's meaningless. It's meaningless. God is worthy. And He promises He's with you. You've got to answer the question, is that enough? Or is my heart's desire to seek after other things? And that's what the people of Haggai's day had been doing. They were focused on their paneled houses. Yeah, they had repented. Yeah, they were working diligently, but they were getting discouraged in the work. Guys, I know we get discouraged in the work. I realize that. I understand that. Listen, if anybody understands that, it's a pastor who's been laboring uh, without a sabbatical for 20-some years. We get it. But there's work to be done. And I don't do it in my strength, and you don't do it in your strength either. God's with us. Here's the conclusion. I want to tell you a story about wee Bobby. Little wee Bobby. Anybody ever heard of little wee Bobby? Let me tell you about little wee Bobby. He was a young man. Had a very great role in the country of South Africa. But his story started further north of the equator than Cape Town is south. It was in Scotland. Scotland is where we find the story of little wee Bobby. An old village pastor was questioned by the deacons of his church. Why had there not been any growth in the church? There weren't any new members. It didn't appear that the ministry was doing a whole lot. It seemed the work of the church was going backwards. And maybe at best it had just stalled and was at a standstill. They were about to dismiss the pastor and call a new one. The deacon said to the old pastor, no one's come to Christ through your ministry in the past year. His reply, yeah, it's been a lean year. But what about wee Bobby? The deacons had forgotten about the young lad who had come to Christ that year. Wee Bobby was from a poor but devout Christian family. Sometime after his conversion, there was a mission meeting in that village church. An offering was taken, and when the offering basket came to Wee Bobby, he told the usher to put it on the floor. I have nothing to give to God but myself. And so saying, stepped into the basket with his bare feet. That was Robert Moffat. Bobby Moffat. Little wee Bobby. Scottish pioneer missionary to South Africa for over 50 years. He opened mission stations in the interior. He translated the Bible into the language of the Buchanas and wrote two missionary books on South Africa, Labors and Scenes in South Africa and Rivers of Water in a Dry Place. His oldest daughter, Mary, married David Livingston. Guys, you get discouraged? You get weary? Don't give up. There's a wee Bobby's. 
waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's little wee bobbies that are going to turn the world upside down. God's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Be strong. Be encouraged. Don't fear. Don't be discouraged in what may seem like is not much. Remain true to the work God has called us to. You have all of God. Does He have all of you? Let's pray. Father, I am humbled and reminded of Your truth. It's not about man and his ability, but it's truly about You, Your glory, and who You are, and what You're doing. Lord, we want to be a part of that. And I know it can get discouraging when we're laboring for the, the temple, if you will, the household of faith, as we understand in the New Testament, we work for the cause of Christ. We're not building a building. Lord, we're, we're, we're reaching lives with the gospel. That kingdom work is your work. But you've called us to be a part of that work. And you've given us all uh, different roles and different responsibilities, Lord. And, and the desire is, uh, from leadership all the way through, that we each do our part. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to work together in unity. Help us to continue to faithfully serve, knowing that you're with us. What a powerful reminder. Just as you were with the people coming out of Egypt, just as you were with the people in Haggai's day, you're with us today as well, as believers in Christ. And Lord, you promised to be with us no matter what should come, no matter what the future holds. We belong to you. And that's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so, Lord, no matter what should happen around us, the kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Yours will stand forever. And one day, Lord, we'll look and behold your glory. Because you're worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. May our lives be living testimonies. Lord, forgive us when we fail. Remember our framework. But, Lord, let us turn to you daily, surrendering our lives completely. That's true repentance. Lord, continue to chip away at the rough edges. Continue to mold us into the image of Christ. And Lord, stir the spirit within all of us that will be faithful in obedience because that always brings blessing. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you most importantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ by which we know we can be saved to know that we can be forgiven. And Lord, my prayer is if anyone watching or anyone here today has never turned from their sin and cried out to Jesus Christ to save their soul, Lord, let them right now in this moment just look to you and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I know I've sinned against you. And I realize Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. He's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. And I know He came and lived a sinless life. He's perfect. And, and I realize He died on the cross for my sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. Take my sin. And by faith, Lord, may they receive your righteousness that Christ provides through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. May they have certainty in the hope that Christ said, whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. 
If in this moment right now, Lord, the Spirit of God is drawing them to a place of surrender, if, if Christ, the Spirit of Christ is drawing them to repentance and faith in Christ, you said you will not turn them away. You will not cast them out. And so, Lord, help them to understand that you love them with an everlasting love. May they surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ in this moment. And, Lord, give them that encouragement moving forward that you're with them. You're with them always. Thank you for this truth and thank you for this church family. Lord, may we continue to, to move forward for Christ. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget your care groups tonight. Uh, several of them over here. Teenagers. My house is bring a friend night. If you don't have a friend, kidnap one. Bring them. <laughs> Just a second. Uh, we hope to see you, see you at our group, 6 o'clock. And so uh, I'm not going to stand in the back and greet you guys, uh, but uh, just know I gave you a virtual hug. We love you. Have a good evening. Thank you.